Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is Thursday, March 25th. Derek Van Riper here with Michael Beller. We've got a very special guest. It's Jake Seeley. We don't never we never hear from Jake on the baseball podcast. What is the occasion? What's going on, Jake? I don't know. What is baseball? Are we doing that? <laughs> what is this sport we're talking about? That's the one with the orange ball that goes into the net, right? That's that's what we're doing. Pretty yeah. close. Hey, yeah. hey baseball starting next week. I gotta at least do one podcast with you guys, right? Yeah, I yeah. think so for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you're doing a ton of work. You've got the projections and rankings. You worked on the custom rankings tool with Dom Lucision, I think is the correct way to pronounce Dom's I, name. I'm so, glad you tried. <laughs> I can't spell it. I think I can pronounce it. Uh, Al Melkier helped with that, too. You're working on articles. And, of course, you are doing fantasy football stuff, too. So if people are getting into fantasy football early, you guys, you and Brandon Funston and Beller, you guys do the football pod together. Um, so you have everybody covered there as well. And we have some overlap on guys that we like. We kind of figured today's episode is more or less a way to catch up and get a team that if you listen to absolutely no podcasts until you listen to this one, you would draft a team that the three of us like, even <laughs> if you don't like your own team. So, I mean, that's a pretty good way to come out of a draft. Like, have a team that the three of us like, even mm-hmm. if you yourself hate it. So, uh, let's get to some players that are your guys, Jake. Victor Robles. I think he stole him from me. I, I'm not even allowed to talk about him on Rates and Barrels anymore because I think I've mentioned him 12 episodes in a row from January to early March. But um, all right, so back me up. What do you like about Victor Robles? Uh, so what's going to be, and people could catch the theme of a lot of the guys are talking about it, is not throwing out 2020, but let's chill out about 2020. And a lot of them are going back to last year when we were drafting and what we were thinking about Robles and what he was coming off from 2019. And that was, what, 17 and almost 30 stolen bases. And everybody's like, oh, he has to leave a little bit more in the tank to be able to do a little bit better. And obviously it was a miserable year, and all of a sudden nobody wants him anymore. And mm-hmm. that's just baffling to me. I mean, we're still talking about somebody I'm pulling up right now. I want to double-check his age. Yeah, he's not even 24 yet. Yep. And, we're right, and we're writing him off after last year. I say we as in, like, where his ADP is. It's just not representative of, like, what he could do for somebody – who last year, again, I, I look at last year's ADP versus this year's ADP is probably the biggest difference. All you need to know about what people thought about him. I still think he has 30-plus stolen base upside. I don't think he'll necessarily get there. But you give me 20 stolen bases and 15 to 20 home runs, which is more than doable. The average isn't going to be pretty, but you put that together. I mean, 15 and 25, just I think you guys saw this. I said it in one of the I think it was my bowl prediction article about stolen bases these days. I mean, all it takes is about 100 stolen bases, and you might be winning the category this year. So to get Robles in the teen rounds and 25 stolen bases on decent category production in all five categories, decent to good, that's really why I love him. I I just think he's being disrespected this year. 
This yeah, is a I see a lot of similarities. One. Yeah, like I think I think we all love mm-hmm. uh, Victor Robles. I mean, I see a lot of similarities to Starling Marte. Like I think that's the kind of player yeah. he is. I don't know if we're going to get more power. I think we may get more batting average though. I think that's part that's of possible. the the extra appeal. We don't have to get it for him to make value where he's going, but we could see a guy that continues to develop as a hitter, puts more balls in play, and ends up hitting 260 or 270. And there's an outside shot that he's atop the lineup for the Nats. Uh, a lot more often than he was one. in 2019. He was buried. Mm-hmm. He was buried in 2019 when he had that great season. Yeah. yeah, I have him inside my top 40 outfielders, right by Jorge Soler and Will Myers and Loriano. That's right where he's sitting for me. Yeah, that feels, I mean, more than fair with what he could be. I, I wrote a uh, my last Stockwatch column of the uh, spring this week, and I called him an inverse Luis Robert in terms of homers and steals. <laughs> right, He can be that at like 100 picks cheaper than Luis Robert. And yeah, I think there's a little bit more upside perhaps to Robert. But yeah, I mean, Victor Robles is someone who I, I think the pendulum has swung far too strongly against him based on 2020 and you know 2020 is like a Rorschach test we can you know sort of see almost whatever we want to see in 2020 but I think that a young guy with the pedigree Robles had with what we all thought about him seemed to be industry consensus a year ago I feel pretty good about buying back in at the 2021 price I mean I would feel pretty good about buying back in at a little bit higher than what the 2021 price asks you to do I'm willing to give young guys with the talent that he has the benefit of the doubt going into this season another young guy that you like Jake and I'm with you on this is Nick Matt I guess what I'm really with you on is I just want a piece of the White Sox offense. DVR's heard me say this a million <laughs> times. Uh, it's, he's probably getting sick of it, but like we don't think about offensive environment in baseball exactly the same way we do in football, where it's like, all right, just give me a piece of that really good offense and I'm happy with it. I think we should think about it with the White Sox. I really want to buy in on this team. Madrigal is a great way to do it. Why are you highlighting him specifically? It's funny, I was talking to Chris Meany yesterday, and he's like, is it possible that you could draft the entire White Sox lineup? <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> we were trying to figure it out. It was like, including Giolito and get most of their team. And uh-huh. I was like, ah, you, pro- you probably need like three picks in the third round to be able to make it happen. Yeah. But it, it, the point was, is what you're talking about. It's just, we want to be involved with the White Sox. And, you know, there's years past where, like, we wanted to be involved with the Cubs and the Rockies before they got rid of everybody. <laughs> and so I, I think that's a good point, what you say. is you, It's the different landscape of understanding that certain scenarios for players make them better uh but even as magical is another one to go right back to the robles situation look where people were taking magical last year on the upside that he has for the stolen base department and the average that's that's the biggest thing it's like look you're getting him in the 20 plus rounds you may be starting to creep up recently because there are some people that like myself are talking about him but when you're talking about 300 average the ability to steal 30 if they let him the only issue might be if he's hitting the bottom of the lineup which still isn't bad for the white Sox, but hitting down there and maybe not getting to steal as much. I think 25 is a nice floor, and I still think he has the speed for 30. I actually think he has the speed for 40, but I don't think he'll ever get there. But you get 330 in the 20-plus rounds. That, that Forget what else he adds because he's, he's not going to be power. But I'm saying, like, forget the runs, forget the RBIs. You give me a 300 average and 30 stolen bases in the late rounds, I'm going to take that every single time. And a 300 average and 30 stolen bases with a decent run production and decent RBI doesn't have to do that much that'll land them inside the top 100 hitters. So you're talking about a top 100 hitter going in, what, round 21, 22 right now? Like I said, it might have moved up a little bit recently, but it's baffling to me. I'm looking right now, and he's inside my top 12 at second base. Although, I mean, second base is kind of relative to a terrible position. So when you target someone like Magical, it's obviously a late sort of dart that you're throwing in a lot of shallow mixed leagues, but... Do you seek out someone like a Joey Gallo or a Miguel Sano, a low-average, huge power guy, 
and kind of merge those two players together because I think you could argue that Sano and Gallo are undervalued for similar reasons. They have one category that they're great in and one that they're you know very flawed in. But if you pair them, that could be a really nice combo. Yeah, so it's I'd say I don't aim to do it because obviously you know any type of snake draft you can aim all you want, and by the time you get halfway through the draft, all of a sudden it's out the window. But what I think your point is. It opens up that flexibility where I actually do have a team talking about that. I have a team with Gallo and Robles and Madrigals because I think that knowing in the back of my mind. And so this is where I say, like, you can't always promise yourself the targets that you're going to get. But when you're talking mid round teens and you're talking 20 plus like a Robles, like a Madrigal and knowing that I'm willing to jump two rounds potentially to make sure I get those and knowing what they're going to bring to your point DVR is that I can say, all right, if Gallo is on the board, I'm more willing to take them a slightly above cost or be the one that bites that bullet because I know those guys are probably going to like 90% chance I'm going to get them. And there's some other few guys that are going later that are similar category wise, but I think that's what people need to understand is what you just said is like knowing if you have late round values, 15 to 20 round picks that you're probably going to get and they're going to carry those categories, you can absorb those hits. And you know me, I've always been the kind of guy that's like, I don't care about taking Gallo anyway. I just don't want to take, uh, you know, a Gallo, a CJ Crone. And I, I like another Miguel Sano. Like, I don't load up on all these guys. You can take a hit one or two times. And I think that, I think people overrate that. They're so scared of Gallo because one guy isn't going to make that big of a difference in your average. Yeah. It's almost like people need to sit down, do the math, and say, okay, what if I put Gallo on the team that has all these other guys? Oh, it only lowers my average by about you know, 0.03. That's right, not right. that much in the grand scheme of things. Uh, it's a risk we're taking to get that extra payoff. Uh, you're actually pretty high on the Mets this season from well, a fantasy perspective. <laughs> well, like, yeah, some of them. Uh, so, which Mets are you investing in most heavily? This is funny. It's like it's, there's legitimately probably three that I really like, three that I really don't like, and then a bunch of them are just like, all right, they're cool. Uh, so the th- <laughs> I'll give you the three that I really do like, and it's for three different reasons. So Pete Alonzo, that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, but it's the surprise of I'm willing to take him closer to last year's ADP. I'm not obviously taking him at the turn of the first round mm-hmm. where he was going last year, but where he's going this year. So it, it, when I wrote him up in the bowl predictions, uh, I said he's going to be the only guy to get 50 home runs this year. And I said, again, because he was the only guy to do it when he did it. Uh, but it's a lot of things that happened to Pete last year. It wasn't just 2020, but it was also, as we talk about all the time, is batters, when they come out hot, you you know, we know this goes both ways, but pitchers adjust to batters. They find their holes. They find their ways to attack them. Same thing with pitchers. Batters fi- figure them out and figure out how to hit their stuff. But with Pete, what you saw last year was Pete, twofold. First name basis Pete. over here. I know. Pete Alonso. I don't know why I've been saying Pete. That's how much I like him, first name basis. Uh, With Alonso, as you look at last year, pitchers did figure this out. Stop letting him destroy fastballs. And I mean obliterate fastballs. If you want an advanced stat, if you go look at fan graphs, the value for him hitting a fastball was over 30, which is just don't throw him a damn fastball. And that's what happened last year. He started to see a lot more off-speed stuff, and he admitted that his adjustment took a little bit longer. He was chasing more than he wanted to. He wasn't forcing. Like, sometimes, and people who follow baseball know this, like, even if the slider is going to be a strike, 
sometimes it's not the best in your ability to go chase it anyway yeah. because you're just not going to make as quality contact. And that's what you saw. His barrels percentage, his hard hit took a little bit of a dip. Like there's a lot of numbers that just took slight dips and it you know it equaled out to having less power last year. But all that being said, you project him out over a full season. He was still on pace for 45 home runs. It wasn't that big of a drop-off. So if he's saying the truth, which I believe, is that he's a sophomore. He adjusted. Now it's his turn to come around. I think he bounces back. I think Jeff McNeil, uh, again, I talked to Chris yesterday, and this is the one I told him. I say, Jeff McNeil, to me, is the new Justin Turner. He took sure, a while, like didn't have a lot of hype, and then nobody wanted to believe him. And nobody wants to believe that he's good. It's just because he didn't debut till he's 26, and he's just kind of like, oh, is, is he really good? How many years does he have to do it at this point? <laughs> so Jeff McNeil could be a batting average winner for the MLB. Mm-hmm. So I love him. And then the, the third one that I like, and I don't love this guy, but J.D. Davis, mostly because the Mets didn't find an answer at third base. And I know his defensive liability, they still want to find an answer. And maybe he gets the Kyle Schwarber treatment at third base and they yank him late in the game and put in Valar for defensive purposes and slide people around or whatever it might be. But all that being said, you're still getting me 480, 500 at bats of a third baseman who's going that at JD Davis is going for free in a lot of leagues. So that's really why it's not that I love JD Davis, but if you're going to give me a nothing price on him, I'll take the chance. I'll stash him on my bench. So we are in big time agreement on Jeff McNeil. This is a guy who I just, I mean, he's, it's not like he's going for nothing, right? He's inside the top 100 in ADP over the last like 10 days or so of NFBC drafts. So, I mean, it's not like you're just getting him for free, but I mean, as you said, like how many years does he have to do exactly the same thing <laughs> right. before we take it at face value and be like, all right, this is, this is the hitter Jeff McNeil is. I would be a little bit more excited if he were, you know, so far from Luis Rojas, we've seen a lineup that's got Brandon Nimmo leading off, Francisco Lindor hitting second. I think we have to, have to assume that's that. the way opening day is going to start. I would love to see McNeil bumped up into like the two spot and Lindor hitting third. Uh, if I were managing the match, that's the lineup that I would be trotting out there. Oh, but for, no, for not even still. that. Take Nimmo out. Stop. Why are or yeah, I, take Nimmo out of the baseball world yeah, and the Mets? Why? <laughs> what is Nimmo brought that like everybody's so enamored with him? Like, can we stop with Brandon Nimmo? He's okay. Wait, what? Because he comes from yeah. Wyoming, where nobody watches baseball. They're like, oh, cool. Let's like give him every chance he can get. <laughs> I, you know, look, I, I want to weigh where Jeff McNeil's hitting in the top two, but wherever he's in, first, second, sixth, whatever it might be, I am totally in on Jeff McNeil. One, we're mostly talking about guys who we like, but one guy where you and I are different here on this same Mets team is Dominic mm-hmm. Smith. I am very much in on Dominic Smith. So, uh, I mean, why are you so wrong here? Why are you out on him? <laughs> well, it's twofold. So I'm going to go right back to the Kyle Schwarber example. Is mm-hmm. I don't, I'm, I'm legitimately concerned that you're going to get a lot of games where he gets three at-bats and he's getting yanked in the eighth, ninth inning for defensive reasons. Like, that's because if you look at the Mets' depth now, they did, you know they went out, you know, besides the Pilars and Villar, and, like, maybe Villar shifts J.D. Davis back to the outfield for a few. I'm not saying that's a great move. I'm just saying there's so many options on this team now, especially in the outfield. I mean, they're cutting guys that we used to talk about, like Malik Smith, and I don't think he's making the team. He might have even been already sent down. But all that being said is, like, there's a lot of options where they can shift people around and get him off the field. And that's my biggest concern is that the Schwarber treatment learn or leans into a 460 at bat season. And that's a big difference between somebody getting 500. Uh, the second part of it is, is maybe his bat is so good as we saw last year that they don't pull him even for the defensive reasons. 
but he was top 12 in BAPIP last year. And I'm not saying BAPIP's like, I, I think BAPIP's kind of normalized where I feel like five years ago, everybody was like, oh my God, BAPIP is everything. If you have a high BAPIP, <laughs> yeah. you're going to regress. If yep. you have a low BAPIP, you're going to be better. Um, but still, I don't know that Dominic Smith is a top 12, even top 20 BAPIP guy. I do think he's a talented player for the longest time. We were saying Dominic Smith, you know, if he could get some playing time, maybe he could, you know, fulfill that promise. I still don't think he's that good average wise. Like I don't, I'll put it this way: you told me a bet on him hitting over three hundred, I would take that bet a million. I would put my house on that bet that he's not <laughs> going to hit three hundred this year, and maybe I'm going to lose my house. But <laughs> unless he does that, I just don't see him. I just I don't see him getting everyday play because of the defensive concerns. And so maybe that's where I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I, I mean, knew you were really getting into your your sports betting, Jake. But uh, <laughs> that's getting pretty extreme. <laughs> I go back to twenty. Hey, I told I you, I, to 20, I rage betted. <laughs> I, 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 I just look at twenty nineteen with him, and that's what gives me confidence mm-hmm. that twenty twenty was at least. You know, I'm, I, I mean, he's going to hit three sixteen with a three seventy seven OBP over the full season. Of course, I don't think that. But in right. eighty nine games, two hundred plate appearances in twenty nineteen, he gave you two eighty two, three fifty five, five twenty five, eleven homers. Like I think that it's sort of similar to Jeff McNeil, and it's not the exact same uh, volume of trips to the plate, but we now have close to a full season's worth of Dominic Smith at bats where he's been the guy that he's been over the last two seasons. So I feel like I wouldn't want to jump up and take him. You know, he's not a guy I'm reaching for, but he's a guy who I'm very happy to get at cost. And again, this Mets offense is one, you know, not quite the White Sox level, but similar enough where this team could be scoring a lot of runs game in and game out. And I like to find investment in them. So I'm sorry, Jake. I mean, I, you're not going to lose your get... house, but I think you're wrong about Dom Smith. <laughs> no. Okay, well, they, they, we're talking about bets. If I told you 135 games and 480 at bats, would you take the over? Uh, I would. I think he's. I think he's too. He's been too good a hitter and, over the last two okay. years. For and that, to force and that's where the difference lineup. comes in. Yeah. I, I think, and those are the, and I put that because those are pretty close to the numbers I projected him for. Because right. I do think I, I'm on the side of losing the Schwarber at bats. Yeah. I, which is fair, which is fair, but I, I just think he's been too good a hitter to not be a regular starter for this right. team. And if I he's hitting regular, right. if he's hitting fifth every game, yeah, I, I just think he's going to be able to get there for uh, for us and for for fantasy managers. But uh, I guess that's enough, Dom Smith, for now, right? <laughs> well, we could keep heading on the Mets. We could talk about how I don't like Marcus Stroman either. Well, I like heading you, on the Mets. Why don't you like Marcus Stroman? Uh, unless this new pitch is going to turn him into a strikeout machine. He's never been a strikeout. It, my, yeah. This is my same issue with I like Marcus Stroman, the player. I'm rooting for Marcus Stroman, the player, uh, even as a Mets fan. Now they got rid of the Wilpons. I'm rooting for Marcus Stroman to break out. But <laughs> I feel like we've been asking him to break out for five years now. I think Marcus Stroman is who he is. He's a fine pitcher, but he's a fine pitcher the same way. Like I'm looking where I even have him. I have him at like 65. Like what's the difference between Marcus Stroman and the rest of the low K high whip guys. And he, at this point he is a high whip. It's like a one, three averaged constantly. And I don't see him getting to even a K per nine. Like I said, unless this new pitch that he's been working on is a magic pitch that maybe he got from Otani. I just, I don't see Stroman getting to that level. So he's somebody for me uh, for talking fantasy football for the comparisons is he feels like that bi-week replacement. Like it's like, all right, He's fine, but does he really help your team? Like he kind of feels like a net neutral in fantasy baseball for me, and that's why I don't hate Stroman, but people are drafting him as a positive, and I just don't see a positive return value on having Stroman on your team. My quick case for him is that I think he's good at limiting hard contact, especially home runs. Like home run suppression is a legitimate skill. We did see the K's tick up during his brief time with the Mets in the second half of 2019. 
it's a small enough sample where it's hard to say that he owns those skills, but being right. in the NL where we don't have the universal DH, at least as of right now, one week before opening day, Ooh. there could be some crazy last-minute change. I think we do hold some sort of K increase compared yeah. to what he was doing in Toronto. Uh, I, I think he's just solid. I mean, look at his career, 376 ERA, 129 whip. If you draft him expecting ratios That's like good. that, you might get those over 180-plus innings in a season where a lot of guys don't go 180 innings. And if the Mets are anywhere close to as good as the win totals suggest, you probably come away with a lot of wins to go with those good ratios at a decent strikeout rate. So I'm in at the price. I don't think he's a must-have sort of player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you – I don't know if it's it's the Mets fandom maybe that's, that's <laughs> pushing you against Roman here, but I think you could like him a little more than you do. expecting the worst at all no, turns. I, no, well, I mean, that's uh, – look, oh, wow, so what a surprise trusting Carlos Carrasco, another injured pitcher to stay healthy. What The Mets just haven't learned, even with new ownership. No, but – here, here's what it goes guys out to. I, I feel like Strowman's an, eat, an innings eater for fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just compiling a fine, or like actually a solid ERA, but the whip doesn't help. And that's what, that's, I think that's what it comes down to. So, again, another one I hope I'm wrong on, but it's not even the Mets fandom. Is I used to draft Strowman for years, especially with the Blue Jays, and I got tired. I mean, he was getting hammered by the, the AL East for a while there, but he had that one really good season. And I just feels like that was his best, and even his best wasn't that good. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's move on to Julio Urias. This is another guy you look at and you say, wait, he's only 24? He's been around for a while. I mean, he was pitching in the Midwest League, I think, as a 16- or 17-year-old. It was just ridiculous how young he was when he started pitching professionally for the Dodgers. A 320 career ERA, 125 whip. That doesn't really fit a 320 ERA. Uh, 11 appearances in the regular season last year, but 10 starts. So it looks like the Dodgers have finally, despite what they did in the postseason, made that switch with how they use Urias. What is your projection for him, Jake, and why does he get there? Yeah, I, I think the, well, I'll give you my projections for Urias. Is he's in my top 25. I have him for a 3.62 ERA, so the ERA is not even that spectacular. But a 1.19 whip, if you look at the last two seasons, which is about 100 and, what is it, 140, 130 innings, somewhere around there, the whip's actually at 111. So that's high, too. Mm-hmm. But the strikeouts, like, he's somebody, I believe, in being over a K per nine. They dipped a little bit last year in that abbreviated season, but he's been somebody who's been working on new stuff. And I'll take somebody, like the old dog, new tricks with Stroman, but I'll take the young person learning their repertoire more than mm-hmm. I will Marcus Stroman. And here's the biggest one. This is just going to be a testament to somebody to work with. Anytime Eno gets all over involved with somebody, I'm double, triple, <laughs> quadruple checking that pitcher because when he gets enamored, I'm like, oh, okay. So I already had 
Urias inside my top 35. And then I started reading what Eno was saying. So anybody who hasn't read that, go check it out. By the way, still a dollar a month to sign up. There you go. Man of the people. Um, <laughs> if it's good, check out Urias and see why he loves him. And you'll see why I'm inside the top 25. And that's really what it comes down to. It just comes down to projections. Even at 160 innings, which I have him at, I think he caps out there. You know, nine wins, but 160 strikeouts to 362 ERA, 119 whip. And that gets you inside the top 25. Is 160 a little bullish, though? Right? I mean, like you said, so it was it was 134 over the last over two last years. Two so you have 134. I mean, you have all the – you have 55 last year. We know the innings concerns across the league. You have Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin uh, who are going to have some sort of role between starting and relieving all season long. Like, my only concern with him is that if anyone – I feel like he and David Price are the two guys who are going to lose the most innings – to Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin. I feel like the top three in this rotation, uh, Kershaw, Bauer, Bueller, like those guys are locked in for their mm-hmm. workloads, and it's the other two who are going to lose the most opportunity uh, as the Dodgers massage this seven-man pseudo-rotation. And that's a valid argument. I think this is going to be another situation of where – so your counter-argument about Dominic Smith is my counter-argument for Urias. He's too good. Yeah. They're not going to screw around with it. I have, him for, I have him for 30 games, 25 starts. So, you know, if you want to say 32 games and 20 starts, then obviously you pull down the innings and you pull down – the projections overall because the strikeouts are going to drop with it. So I kind of, I think it's, we're on similar arguments, but for different players. I, I just think Urias at this point, and 160 isn't even really unleashing. And actually, I, I double checked the look. I have a 155. So I overshot myself a little mm-hmm. bit, but even 155, I could see the concern. Um, but the good news here, so for this one is, depending on what draft you're in, you're either going to miss him or you're going to get him because you're going to have sure. somebody who wants to take him <laughs> or you're going to have somebody who's like, has your concern and he's going to be in a reasonable, he's still at a reasonable ADP, but if you look at his variance of like top to bottom, actually Dominic Smith is ridiculous. I don't know if you saw that. Dominic Smith's high is like in the 60s and then his <laughs> low is at like the 230 rate. It's ridiculous how big his range is. But Urias sees like a similar, smaller one at pitcher, so I understand your concern. All right. I wish I could. I wish we were live streaming this because if we were, I would have taken a screenshot of our rundown and I would be throwing it up on the screen right now. If you're watching this, you know Derek's got a, a Padres hat on, but don't let him fool you. There's a Brewers sweatshirt on. This guy's a Brewers fan, and we have Jake's <laughs> my guys listed in order, right? And we talked about uh, Victor Robles, and then Nick Madrigal, and then the Mets, and then we curiously skipped a line to Julio Urias, and that line that we skipped is. Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Javier Baez of the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> I mean, you know, is DVR trying to suppress the fact that the Cubs still exist? I don't know. You out there can make your own <laughs> conclusions on that. Jake, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm not going to lie about being a little bit biased about these guys. I feel very good about Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez all bouncing back in 2020. But I'll let you yes. make the unbiased argument in favor of them. <laughs> uh, it's 2020. And so, you know what? I'm looking at this team as a whole and everything that could possibly go wrong, including performance, went wrong for this team last year. And I, if this was they've played for three seasons and had a miserable one and be like, all right, maybe the league's adjusting, maybe he wasn't as good, maybe would But we're talking about players with four, five, six, seven years of a career. And then, I mean, look at Javier Baez. I just pulled it up. Career, 264 average. Yet, even before that, it was 281, 290, 273, 273. You got the 30 average-ish home runs, but mid-20s at worst. And he hits 203 with eight home runs last year, and the power wasn't even that bad. But him, Chris Bryant, same thing. I understand the Chris Bryant injury concern. If everybody wants to push back on that, that's fine. I'm not going to debate you about that. But Chris Bryant, healthy. 
and then Anthony Rizzo. Again, Anthony Rizzo was a borderline first rounder, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, Anthony Rizzo sucks now. What the hell is wrong with Anthony Rizzo? They're just the Cubs as a whole feel like a team that maybe their perception's pushing them down a lot too. And I, he wasn't even going to be on this list, but you talk about playing time for the Kyle Schwarber argument. Now I don't think he was going to have to deal with that. It's Jock Peterson. Nobody wants Jock Peterson because he's yeah. been screwed around with his lineup situation back with the Dodgers so much that now you give me 500 at-bats from Jock Peterson, and I think he's somebody that's going to hit 30-plus home runs. I'm just bullish on the Cubs from a fantasy perspective, mostly on the hitting side. I don't love their pitching. Um, but it really comes down to – and the Chris Bryant one is I tweeted this out, and I got a lot of hate for it because nobody can understand context, even though I started this by saying – I'm taking Anthony Rendon every single time over Chris Bryant. I'm not taking Anthony Rendon at a seven-round extra cost over Chris Bryant, and that's my biggest difference. Is like if you want to tell me three or four rounds, fine. But if you take their last four healthy seasons for the both of them where they played 136 games, and again, that's injury risk if you want to include that, but when they both played 136 games and you take their averages and compare them to each other, better average, better power, more RBI or fewer RBI, more runs. Basically, if you take their five categories and put them together, you're getting almost the exact same players, just depending on if you want power or average. Again, I'm taking Rendon. <laughs> I'm just saying, Chris Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, even Jock uh, switching yes. teams. Like, I just feel like everybody is hating on the Cubs right now, and I'm going to take history over one abbreviated weird season. In your face, DDR. <laughs> there are buying opportunities there, but I figured, A, we talk about the Cubs a lot since Beller's here uh, on a regular basis, and, and B, I would be kind enough to let him toss that softball up there since he could add a little extra hype if he wanted to. Wait, have you talked about the Bears quarterback situation yet? Have you got that sl- slid into no, the baseball I'm, I'm, show? I'm looking forward to that. Like Every day from July 1st until the end of football season, every time we're on a pod, we're going to talk about the Bears quarterback oh, situation man. because it brings me so much joy. The Bears, let me just uh, what, jump in really quick and say that the Bears uh, Twitter okay. account tweeted out a picture of Andy Dalton with just QB1 as the you know the, the, the <laughs> caption yesterday. And if you want to have a little fun, go and look through the replies to that because they were pretty great. <laughs> I mean, okay. I'm sure Uncle Rico throwing a football <laughs> over a mountain or throwing a steak uh, at uh, Napoleon. Yeah, like that was, was probably their QB1 just <laughs> stamped right on it. Uh, one more of your guys, Jake. I have not drafted this guy anywhere yet. It's Charlie Morton. Nice discounted price compared to where he was going last year. He had some injuries he dealt with in the shortened season. Very old, but he goes to Atlanta, so he's on a good team. The stuff looked good again in the playoffs. Um, So what gives you confidence in Morton being able to put it together for one more good season? You kind of just touched on all the reasons in a short version, but if he's healthy, yes, the age is concerned, but I mean, even Verlander before he you know, got hit with a fortunate Tommy John, but look at him, and I'm not saying Verlander's the same type of pitcher, but it's similar to football. At this point, the age, it's technology, it's our life, it's medicine. We're going further into sports than we ever have sports-wise when it talks mm-hmm. about the health and stuff like that. So if he's healthy, he's another one. The three years prior... Three ERA, the FIP and the XFIP and all the metrics match up and line up with that over 10 per nine, whether it's, you know, almost 11 the one season. And if you want to do my favorite, which is strikeout percentage minus walk percentage, even in the discounted year last year, it was still 18.8. It was 23 before that, 19.7 and 18.3. So, you know, I just look at Morton's talent and you just mentioned if he's healthy, that's all I care about. If he's healthy. Atlanta situation, talking about playing in the NL, talk about pitching for Atlanta, who, similar to Tampa Bay and Houston and Pittsburgh and some other teams, can get the best out of their pitchers for what they've been able to do. I think Morton's due for a bounce back. I actually have Charlie Morton. Where do I, I have him ahead of 
Urias, by the way. I have him in front of one spot in front of Paddock at uh, pitcher 22, starting pitcher 22. Oh, you're high on Paddock then. Yeah, I am high on Paddock. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for Paddock. I'm going down with that ship. <laughs> I am definitely going down. If, if Paddock was going to ruin he, you know, who, I'm trying to think who he is. Oh, he's the he's the new sitting all those everybody had who's enamored by Syndergaard, and not the only one, but yeah. Syndergaard's one season. We've been living off that for three years now, <laughs> even before his injury. Uh, I kind of feel like the same. Like I finally yeah. gave up on Syndergaard because I said he's too predictable. Paddock, I, I'm still a sucker for him. I'm a sucker for him for at least one more year. Whenever I think of uh, pitchers who I'm a sucker for, I guess it's appropriate that I've got a, a like a siren going out my window. There, it's uh, the first guy who comes to mind is Scott Baker. I was in on Scott Baker just year after year after year after year. <laughs> <laughs> it just it never came through and that's just that that's the first thing that comes into my mind I, I love Charlie Morton I love I love this Atlanta um I think it's an incredibly high ceiling rotation like there are some obvious risks you know Kenny and Anderson be the guy for a full season that he was in the short season last year Morton health Mike Soroka health Drew Smiley health I mean there's a lot of questions with all that but I just I really like I think oh, it's such a high ceiling. that's the other one yeah I was a sucker for Drew Smiley for <laughs> yeah. so long yeah Right. I mean, I think I feel like we all were, but man, I, I just I love I actually I think the Braves are winning the World Series this year. And I, I love that rotation. Ian Anderson uh, is is one of my guys as well. Uh, I just think that uh, he's he's not only do is he do I, do I buy the talent, obviously, and do I think that he can be the guy for 162 that he was for last year. But I also think that if you're just looking at ADP, that he represents the bottom of a tier and he's the last guy. It's like him and Jesus Luzardo are going really close to one another, and they're the last guys, I think, in the entire starting pitching group that you can look at and realistically say, if everything lines up, this is a top 15 pitcher. This can be and, a top And didn't he pitcher. just struggle again? And I put that in quotes because it's spring training, and I don't ever pay attention to pitcher ERA. In a, he struggled th- in a th- spring start? I didn't see that. Yeah, I thought he did. I could be mistaken. I remember somebody in that range. But anyway... Not yeah. to sidebar you on that one. But no, that's okay. I, I just I, I was well, I was bringing that up for a point of even if he didn't is I just love the like a good one J- Jake Odorizzi in his first spring start and he gets shelled and everybody's like oh the Astros want to get their money back like he's gonna be fine it's his first spring start he said like all he wanted to do out there yeah all he wanted to do is go out there hit his speed and throw fastballs and hit the strike zone like it's spring chill out people yeah. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, you know, we've we've run through we've run through uh, pretty much all of uh, no, we have run through all of Jake's guys here. We don't have time to get through all of mine and DVR's guys, but since you bring up Jake Odorizzi, DVR, you've got mm-hmm. a couple of Astros on here. Uh, pick your poison. Which Astro you want to make a case for? I mean, Alex Bregman goes early. He kind of goes where Anthony Rendon goes, and Jake touched on him earlier. I think both of those guys are undervalued. But Bregman, yeah. if you go back to his pre twenty twenty numbers, I think if you combine. 
the previous three seasons combined, he's top 10 in every category we care about. I mean, he's a great all-round offensive player. You see that in WRC+. He scores runs, he drives in runs, he hits for power, doesn't steal many bases, but his batting average floor is really high. I, I can't imagine Alex Bregman being a third rounder again going into next season, talking about 15-team leagues, unless he's hurt again in 2021. So for me, like he's one of those early-round targets that I keep going after. And basically, he's there because he doesn't steal bases. I, you don't have to get steals from every single player you draft. No. You need to get the <laughs> other categories too. Uh, but the other Astro is Ryan Presley. And he kind of fits into my broader strategy. Most of the leagues I play in, you can't make trades. And even if you can, it's hard to get saves. Presley, I think, is the kind of guy that goes for about 15 bucks in an auction. He's going to go in the 7th or 8th round of a 15-team mixed league. And I think he's pretty safely their guy. I think the skills are maybe a notch below your Hader, Hendricks, Aroldis Chapman group, but they're not that far behind. I think he could run, you know, a 33 or 35 percent K rate over a full season. He's got good control. He doesn't have an ugly home run issue. So for me, he's kind of where I draw the line. Like I have to get a closer at least as good as Ryan Presley on most of my teams this year because the closer pool is such a mess. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, and that was that was something I put some uh, stock into this year, um, where where I wanted I, I wanted one of those. I, I'm never going to pay up for Hater Hendricks, but I want one of the next group of guys who I feel very comfortable, unless injury or just complete unavoidable, unseeable disaster mm-hmm. befalls them. They're going to be their team's guy. So I think you know Presley's definitely in that group. I put guys like Brad Hand in that group as well. Guys who you know most likely really, are, yeah, yeah. I I'm, feel, I'm I legitimately, I, I'm, I'm. That's one of my non guys. I am a thousand percent off Brad Hand. Are you like, off him because of skills, cost, both? The the so I I forget who mentioned it, but it was before the offseason even really started like it was back in January he's talking about his drop and fa- fastball velo when they were talking about um when he was a free agent when teams were still looking at him um and I remember reading that which was a big concern and then the fact that he has been and I I know I just sat here and said ignore spring training <laughs> but at the same time it, it was because of that like there's a reason behind it there was already the reason behind his fastball taking a severe downturn mm-hmm. uh, for the past couple of years and majorly last year um and now, so far, he's been getting roughed up, and uh, Rainey's been looking really good. I don't think – I still think Hand has the job as of today. Um, but actually – and then our, our guy Greg Jewett just talked about him today on the site and said that, you know, you might have to look out for Rainey too is to steal some, if not even potentially like 30 40% of the saves. So that's why. It's, it's more so – I'm worried that Hand doesn't even have the job for the entire year. Well, Jake, we're just going at yeah, loggerheads He's pretty here. shaky. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty shaky for a guy inside my top 10 among relievers. Uh, another rankings update coming out before oh, the yeah. weekend. I think he might dip just a little. I just moved little. to 13, so there you go. He dropped outside of my top 10. Yeah, that Kirby Yates injury didn't really do us any favors. No. I actually liked Yates if he was healthy to be a top yeah. 10 closer this year, and obviously he's probably not going to pitch Well, there's this a question year. for you guys. Would you take Romano or would you take Hand as of today? I would take Hand easily. I guess I, 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 take, I, you could maybe talk me into Romano at cost over hand at cost. Yeah, I, I, would, I would take hand just because I think there's still a chance that the Jays split it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Romano could share with Dolis or they could bring in Merriweather or Hatch. They've actually got a, a pretty interesting stable of relievers they could turn to. So it really mm-hmm. depends on how they want to manage the bullpen in general. If they're going to be that flexible team that takes the best reliever and uses them in the most important situation then Romano might be a 15 or 20 save guy, and those other guys might all get smaller shares. It's really it's really hard to get a read on that team right now because they haven't been Garrett? in this situation in a while. Garrett? Garrett versus Hand, I'm taking Hand. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. I worry okay. about you know David Bell. Uh, you know they had Rysel Iglesias all those years, right? And and but they, they love using Garrett all over the place, and he's obviously going to get the first crack at being a starter. But with all the power arms that are in the back of that bullpen, and we don't know exactly what's going to happen with T.J. Antone and um, uh, Michael Lorenzen for the entire season, mm-hmm. like. I just I think there is Garrett is definitely the best reliever in that bullpen. I think there is some risk to him being their for sure locked in closer for the entire season. That's what I worry about. With him. I don't worry about his I, I, his I inning think, for inning ability or anything like that. So I think the Presley thing for all our crossover sports people out there, I think the Presley is the cutoff for me. I have him at five. No, I would say Iglesias at six is the mm-hmm. cutoff for me. There's like six, and then it turns into a mess very, very, very fast. <laughs> and what I was going to say, the pull over the fantasy football comparison is that I feel like. It's the tight end. If you don't get one of the big two or three, arguably next year, this is similar. Like if you don't get one of the six you can trust, like just sit out and don't even pay. Like everybody says, don't pay for saves. But I think if you can get one of the top six at a reasonable cost, I would definitely want to anchor one of those down. And I have so far, I've ended up with Chapman, uh, Hader, or Presley actually as one of the three so far as in most of my leagues, just to get that one and then to play the game with the rest. Because I mean, you're already talking about, I'm looking at my list here. You got the split possibility with what you guys have already talked about we don't know is rodriguez the guy or are they gonna uh, try um what's his face again crick i mean do you right? trust that Alfred? team at all yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's they're the not gonna win a lot either yeah <laughs> minnesota's split san diego is mm-hmm. all over the map tampa bay is all over the map i mean there's just a lot i mean do you want terrible matt barnes but he's gonna lead and save <laughs> so it's just it's a mess super fast yeah I really like Emilio Pagan. Dennis Lynn's been talking him up. Our Padres beat writer has been talking him up as the, if someone pulls away from the pack, it's going to be him. And I think he gives you... I have him the highest. Yeah. yeah. I think he he gives you usable strikeouts and usable rates pretty much no matter what. So he's a guy who I find myself circling back to a lot. I think he could be a little bit of a a sneaky cheat code at the back end of drafts. Like Um, Arizona, the manager and the owner disagree on who they like. I mean, there's a perfect example right there. Something's going on in the NL West with, uh, you know, between between that team and, and the Rockies like I don't know you just got that it's like the Dodgers have forced everyone into this malaise over the last decade and hopefully the Padres can <laughs> I know Kenley Jansen's not even safe anymore I yeah. mean that's this it, it's, it's, it's the new world order of uh, of reliever usage in, in Major League Baseball uh, saves plus holds is that what we're turning this into I mean the if we want like, argument? I don't think we want to because I would go way too long because I, I love saves plus holds <laughs> we can talk about that at, at another time can I throw one of my my one of my guys <laughs> yes, out before yes. we go so Starling Marte to me feels he feels like a cheat code because everyone's pushing right like so I am very firmly on the Mike Trout's the number one pick and and Juan Soto's the number two pick because they're the two best hitters purely hitters and I don't think anyone would question that fact and so I want those guys and I'll worry about steals later and then you find Starling Marte sitting what around pick like 40 45 and like the guy's gonna steal 25 bases he maybe pushes up to 30 he's gonna give you good batting average if you use OBP he's gonna I mean he's giving you a 340 last year 342 the year before that and you know those are maybe a little bit above career norms but still I think we can expect somewhere in that 340 range in OBP he's gonna hit 15 to 20 homers like it's just it's all there and you get those steals that are a foundation like a total foundational element where you're not passing on the elite 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 hitters to get those steals and like you said Jake 100 steals could win you the category this season so if you get or if you're getting 25 to 30 from one guy you already have the foundation to at least be competitive Uh, Starling Marte is a guy who if he's available to me at ADP it's an auto pick it is a half second off the timer and I'm clicking draft on Starling Marte I don't have a problem with that. And honestly, the funny thing is with uh, Starling Marte is the past 
three years in my projections. Every time I finish the projections, and I'm like, oh, Stanley Marte is in the top 20 outfielders again. I just like I always expect them to drop out, and I'm like, oh, he's back inside the top 20 again. That's just Starling Marte being Starling Marte. I think if he were to take a step back, it would just be you know 10 or 12 fewer bags than we expect, and he would kind of be like a Lorenzo Cain sort of player. Sure. So if you draft him in the fourth round or third or fourth round, it's not going to ruin you. you know. I, I think there's at least some speed there. He's high up in that order, so he's going to score a lot of runs. I don't think he's a batting average liability. So there's a really nice floor there, and I'm with you on Starling Marte. The dream draft for me is Yelich in the first, Bueller in the second, Bregman or Rendon in the third, and Marte in the fourth because then I've got categorical balance. Mm-hmm. I've got an ace already, and I can do any number of things based on what else is happening in the room yep. to sort of put those other early building blocks around that group. Like Have you that. done a My Guys with Nando yet? Yes, because okay. uh, Under the Radar every week is basically an episode oh, of My Guys with Nando. <laughs> basically Nando. I, <laughs> I just looking down this list and I was like, we didn't talk about Tapia. We didn't talk about Jared Walsh. I'm, just, I'm thinking like all Nando's guys. Like all Ty France. We've covered yeah. Ty France. The Ty yeah. France. That, that, that show is slowly becoming the Victor Robles and Ty France show. Ah, yeah, it's not, not that much Victor Robles, but we've we've realized though that Ty France might be a lot like Jed Jerko. Like that could be the the best case sort of outcome for him, and the level of infatuation for Nando is getting pretty close with France. I mean, that would be he would be thrilled if that was the case yeah. if they turned into him. I don't. I, the reason it made me think about it is because I saw a tweet last night, and it was uh, somebody tweeted out the. Um, the batting exit velocity over 110 miles per hour. Number one was Stanton and then mm. tied for second was Alonzo Vlad and Rowdy tell And I remember oh that being God. a Nando guy like last year. <laughs> yeah. Rowdy's catching some extra love around the industry right now too. He's very cheap. Good corner guy for deeper leagues playing time. Maybe a little shaky like once sir. Springer comes back, but I think with Springer out, Gritchick plays. It kind of takes some of the pressure off of the outfield rotation and mm-hmm. the DH first base mix kind of gets a, a little bump up too because I think if Gritchick's not playing in the outfield, they're going to want to play him a little bit and they're going to move guys around and through all that shuffling, Telez uh, gets hit a little bit. Uh, last guy I'll throw out there, Emmanuel Classe. So, right, we're talking about saves being a problem. Maybe it's Nick Whitgren instead, but I think playing into what you were saying, Jake, I would like to get one early and then just take shots late and not really mess around with those mid-tier guys. Closers 10 to 20, 10 to 25 are just loaded with risk. But if I can throw some of my last picks at guys that don't necessarily have a job today but could have the job in 10 days, I'm going to do that. Class A throws 100 with movement. Like, What else do you want from a possible closer? And I like that one for the reason that I'm actually getting Karen check in a lot of places too. Um, But it's one of those ones where it's almost another football comparison. You're almost handcuffing yourself or you're getting that backup plan with him and you can still use place and get that for the leagues where, you know, you do go. What? (laughs) What Class A. (laughs) Oh, sorry. He's called him Clay. I I, I forgot. Yeah, I, I look. I I forgot his name was Classe. I'm sorry. Um, so anyway, I'm gonna call him Clay for the rest of the show now, just because of that. No, so you get you get the ratio similar to it's not quite Andrew Miller because Andrew Miller was going like two innings a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But whereas you know uh, the leagues where you know especially you guys, I I prefer the 12 teams. But if you're playing a 15 teams mix or you're playing in mono, any type of that, you start to get to the point where the break turns into it's rather it's better to just to carry this guy with the ratios and. So Somebody like him who sure. also adds the strikeouts, 
than to honestly go with a terrible starter pitcher who's just going to kill your ratios. But, oh, oh, you might get a couple wins out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whoop de doo All right. Well, I think... I think we did a lot of good here helping anybody who hasn't listened to any pods yet even people who have been listening all along really making it clear who jake really likes and who we all really like this draft season if you want more like this we have in my guys piece up on the site for our subscribers the athletic.com slash fantasy baseball podcast will get you in at one dollar a month to start it's the best deal we do all year so uh, go ahead jump in on that while you can because it will not be out there for very long. Jake, thanks for taking a break from football prep to uh, to join us today. We really appreciate your, your time. Yeah, you can see it's all projections and I'll spend a lot of time on the pronunciations. There's my <laughs> case for Clace. <laughs> nice recovery. On Twitter, of course, he's at AllInKid. Beller is at MBeller. I am at Derek Van Riper. Thank you for listening to the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We are back with our first Sunday waiver episode this weekend, and we're going to run that one live as well, so be sure to check that out. Good luck with your drafts this weekend. 